0: Enlighten Me, the podcast everyone is talking about, with your host, Julian, where wisdom, knowledge, and experience meet the public.
1: This is your host, Julian, on Enlighten Me. And uh, before we start this podcast, I hope everyone's doing well. We have the co-host, Rocco. What's going on, Rocco? What's going on? What's going on, man? All right, if y'all can subscribe to the YouTube, Enlighten Me, you can uh, check out the podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Just search Enlighten Me. And if you want to reach out, Julian at gmail.com. And today we got a, we got an interesting topic. It's probably one of the most profound podcasts I've done. Uh, how you doing, Nyla?
2: Hi. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. And thank you for joining on joining me and Rocco on Enlighten Me, the co-host. Uh, can you tell people a little about yourself, please?
2: Um, Yes, my name is Nyla, and um, I have a YouTube channel. Um, It's called Red Fem Diaries, and I started the channel because I wanted to kind of have an archive of videos of information for my two sons. I uh, currently uh, have a stage four breast cancer, and so I've been uh, given a time to live, Uh, and so I wanted just to leave um, sort of a legacy for them so they can... uh, Get some wisdom and knowledge about how to navigate this life.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. That's, uh, okay. that's going to be a touchy, touchy, very touchy uh, podcast. Um, so, when did you, I guess, develop or find out that you had breast cancer?
2: Um, I actually found out when I was 41 years old. Um, typically, women start having mammograms. Mammograms are, is a test that detects, that tries to detect cancer early. I missed my 48-year-old mammogram and at 41, I felt, uh, by the time I felt this lump, I was at stage two. Uh, The interesting part about that is actually I'm a mammography tech. (laughs) I've been a mammogram tech for 17 years, so I absolutely know better than, but um, I was so caught up and busy with life that I did not uh, get my 40-year-old. They would have caught it a whole lot earlier.
1: And you said, well, what age do you usually women go get their breast checked?
2: 40 years old is the age that you're supposed to start getting your mammograms. I felt my lump at 41. Um, typically by the time you feel a lump, it spread quite a bit. So I was already at stage two when I felt it.
1: Okay. Okay. Rocco, were you about to say something?
0: Um, no, no. I, want, I wanted her to get you to um, you know, explain you know, about a stage four breast cancer.
1: You keep going. No, I think one in eight women develops uh, breast cancer. Do you, do you know anything about that, Ella?
2: Offhand? I do not have those stats offhand, but I do know over the years uh, the incidence of breast cancer have definitely increased, and we're now seeing a lot more younger women develop uh, breast cancer. Uh, breast cancer is sim- similar to prostate cancer in men. It's a, it's a cancer that it typically the chances of you getting it uh, grow as you get older. And so we're seeing yes. a lot more younger women. Um, we're seeing a lot more aggressive cancers. I offhand, I, that sounds right, I should know this, but I don't know offhand uh, uh, the number or the chance of you getting it over a lifetime.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a case every two minutes that uh, somebody discovers that they have breast cancer.
2: Something so like I that. I, yeah.
1: I didn't know really uh, cancer was this profound in our society. Granted, my father had cancer and uh, i had stage 4 it, renal okay. cancer yeah stage 4 renal cancer i don't know, i don't think it's the same as prostate yeah I don't quote Well, um, they're all
2: different yeah it's all cancer you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and that and that's that's a thing that i never thought i'd even experience in my life so it's this is this is a thing that people should be getting checked up on
2: right i'm sorry did, you said your father had stage 4 renal cancer correct Oh, okay. Yeah. My father had stage for lung cancer. He passed from that. I think at this point, everyone knows someone, whether in the family or a friend that's had or experienced cancer. I think everyone it seems like everyone knows somebody, you yes. know, that's gone through this. Yeah.
1: Now, when uh, you found out you had um, cancer, how did you, how did you take that of course when you went to go get checked up? Did you tell oh, your family, um, did you just like, you know, just take a step back sometime well, to yourself before you did anything?
2: Well, um, because I'm a, a, a mammography tech, I know what it looks like, and when I get when I got the exam done, my coworker did my mammogram. She, she screened uh, because she knows that I'm going to know what it looks like. Uh, when I finally saw the screen, it was one of the worst can- cases of can- breast cancer that I've ever seen in my entire career. Uh, the, the cancer was all over my breast. And when diagnosis, um, they didn't tell me yet. I just saw the screen and I knew. Man, it's like getting punched in the gut like I was just in utter shock. And uh, at the time, I had—I still have two young sons. They're 11 and nine now. So at the time, uh, they were then six and, six and nine at the time uh, when I first found this out. I may be a little bit off, you know, because birthdays. Um, and so I, um, I did what uh, any crazy and insane person would do. I did um, the shock of it was just too much. Um, right before the year before that, we made a move from California to Georgia, and we were just going through tons of stress—financial stress, marital stress, um, problems on the job. Uh, my husband lost his business when we moved here, and uh, just just a, just so much stress. And once this hit, I not soon after started drinking, because I just didn't want to think about it. I remember. I know that sounds insane, right? <laughs> but,
1: not, um, not, at all. I'm, not at all. Not, not at, all. at all. People cope with things in a different different manners, different ways. So I'm one not to judge. Yeah, yeah Rocko doesn't judge either.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly I was not able to cope. It was just too much. Um, at for the most of my life, I you know lived <clears> with my children, and I remember uh, I got the diagnosis. I hadn't told anybody yet, my husband, my family, anyone, and I was walking with my boys at the time we had a dog and uh we were walking the dog and they were playing on their scooters you know riding riding with me as I walked the dog and I just looked at them and I said my god you know I may not be able to see these boys become men and I put Mm. everything uh into raising these boys and I uh I just lost and I said I can't deal with this and so turned straight to drinking to numb it all and so I Mm. did that while and uh the cancer they uh, i had surgery i had uh what's called a mastectomy where they removed the breast and at that point technically i'm cancer free now i made a choice that a lot of people do not understand i chose not to have chemo or radiation even though that was the suggested treatment for me
1: now why did you choose not to
2: well keep it uh, as simple as possible um I watched my father die on chemo. It was a slow and quite miserable death. It took him about 15 months with his stage 4 uh, I've had a friend of mine. Oh, I should say my father's cancer was, not, was inoperable. It was all over his lungs. They couldn't just take out a, a, a section of his lung. It was all over the place. Another friend of mine's son had a cardiac cancer. Well, obviously, you can't remove the heart, so it also was inoperable. And he suffered. I've been doing uh, this job for so many years and what I came to find is that sometimes when you give a patient chemo, they survive the chemo and they live. Sometimes they take the chemo and they die. Sometimes patients don't take chemo and they, they die of their cancer. Sometimes they don't take chemo and they live. And after so many years of doing this, there's no rhyme or reason. When I looked at mine and how advanced it was, I knew mine was pretty aggressive and pretty serious. <clears throat> from what I understand about cancer, it was created from mustard gas, a gas they used back in, as a, 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 a weapon of war back in World War I. It's a poison. And what mustard gas does is it kills cells. Mustard gas kills cancer cells, but unfortunately, it doesn't discriminate. It kills all cells. Mm. So if you can survive the chemo, which is very toxic and very poisonous, if you can survive it, then it'll kill your cancer cells, but you got to survive it. Uh, I've seen so many people that had the cancer so small, if they just removed the breast, they would have been just fine. And if I'd have caught in it a little bit earlier and if I removed my breast, I would have been just fine. Unfortunately, mine had gotten too far. So my decision was I can suffer in the chemo. Nate, let me know the chemo was going to possibly extend my life. Some That I had how and how aggressive it was. It, it was only going to do but so much for me. So I had made a decision. Yes. Do I want to live my life? Uh, uh, you know, and 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 see how far I can go without it, or do I go through a very horrific cancer treatment? And at the time, I didn't have the type of support that I would need um, because you get very sick. The treatment that they were going to give me was called the Red Devil. And okay, that's
1: uh, that's different.
2: It, it well, just by the name of it, it kind of lets you know the kind of treatment that it is. And after watching my dad suffer so miserably, he died at 82 pounds, I believe it was. And we, and it, and that, okay, uh, here's another example. Every time you think of cancer, you think of bald patients, right? Very Mm -hmm. sick and bald and, you know, they just look terrible, right? Yes. If you see me, you never guess it. Cancer actually looks like me. I look very healthy. You can never guess. It's the chemo that makes people look like that so it was just a personal choice that i made um because of the type of cancer that i had that i wanted to uh, my last period of time to not be suffering like that in front of my family not an easy decision but a very thought and studied decision
1: now i remember we talked briefly you didn't tell them right away that uh
3: no, I didn't. On, right? I remember
1: we I waited
2: talked. Some time. Yes.
1: I'm sorry?
2: I waited some time. Yes, I did. Because I had to sort through things in my own mind. Of course. Uh, before I could bring it to anybody.
1: Now, who did you tell exactly in this?
2: Well, at this point, all of my family knows. Um, yes. What ended up happening was once I first had my first aid removed, I was fine for actually about two and a half years. Almost three years, I, I did fine, no cancer. Then a small spot came back on the side where I had my surgery. And then I went in, they removed that spot. They left about five millimeters of a margin. We went back again, they removed the five millimeters. That was in uh, last year. By November, I was stage four. It just oh. came and just, yeah, I, it, oh. just, it came back with a fury. Right, full, and by this force. time, what's
0: that? <laughs> full force, but you, go ahead.
2: yeah. By this time, I've been trying different homeopathic treatments. I was doing high dose of vitamin C. Um, they said agramectin was doing was was good for you. Um, I was following crispy cancer. I got I got over my drinking problem. I was really trying to you know eat healthy. This was after that second uh, second mass, and I was really going heavy, trying my best, you know what I'm saying, alkaline water, I me mean, everything that you, turmeric, you know, um, I was seeing a, a homeopathic doctor, everything, but uh, still stage four. And at that point, that's when the doctor said uh, they still recommended chemo, but he didn't, uh, because of how far it, far it had gone, it was just to buy me a little bit more time. Yes. So it, it was take the chemo and, you know, get a bit more time, but it was not going to be very good time um or he said that more than likely it's going to be about three to six months possibly nine and i was told that in november
1: it was um yeah that's when you reached out to me in november isn't that about right
2: i ble- um i believe so i had met you before that oh actually yeah i think it was around november yeah, yeah it was about that, that right. time yeah that's right and, that's right
1: and that was the first encounter we had and i was like okay And yeah, because you knew I wouldn't judge. Well, I didn't know you personally or anything like
2: that. Yeah, I think I can't remember. I think, um, there was a comment or something you may have made, and I was like in agreement because I'm very hard. I I think we're part of the same Facebook group, I can't remember, but um, yeah.
1: And it's it's uh interesting you say that because my father he was uh, gonna go, he did do chemo, but my mother thought Mm -hmm. it'd be best for him to live the last couple months and the rest of his life as he wants to, like enjoying himself, right. eating the foods he wants. Cause it was it was really hard on him. Really hard on him. Cause as yeah. you said, it breaks down the cells and things of that nature. Well everything tired. Think. Yeah. It was just he was just tired all the time, always, always just laying down. So she Thank took you. him off it. And they, I think they want to do some type of I can't remember the pill, some type of experimental mm-hmm. pill. And um mm-hmm. from there it didn't work. So we let him do what he wanted to do, enjoy a little bit because he declined right after New Year's he just mm-hmm. declined. I mean, it was fast. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I didn't even know what was going on myself. So I, yeah. I completely, completely see this.
2: Um, Is he still with you now or
1: no, he passed on uh, 2018, yeah. January 29th. Um, I was, I was in uh, another state and luckily the oh, army okay. moved me back to Virginia because the doctor was saying he only has like uh, six months to live or something like that. He lived longer than that. I think he lived a year and three months after I was told. And I didn't know how to take it. And um, even the grief after, I was grieving probably about seven months later. I was like, why am I grieving now? You know, there's no time frame on my – I did a podcast on grief. There's no time frame on grief or anything like that. Right. It's
2: just it's it's, it's time. Uh, But my condolences to you and your family. uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: If, if, if i could tell anybody listening you know cherish your loved ones you know everybody goes day in day out mm-hmm. expecting them to be there until something happens. oh
2: yeah yeah it's for, for me personally um i've been the type of person i've always thought my entire life i've always wondered about my existence like even as a little child i would think you know who created me why am i here i would always think these deep and you know deep thoughts I. Even my, uh, my journey to, to, to find God, what have you, it, it was like a deep search for me. I really wanted to know why I'm here and who created me. And, I, and yet I've always thought about my mortality. I always thought about heaven and hell and is it real? And, you know, all these different things I've studied and studied and studied. But when you're faced with your mortality, it's like there's no way to prepare for that. Like all of a sudden my mortality became very real. And is very different on this side than on your side because I see people now <clears throat> that are not in the process of tra- transitioning you guys are on this side and I see myself almost like moving out of this side now like I sense mm. it it's a very strange feeling and it's taking me a long time to come to terms with it. you know you say, they,
1: how long yeah. how long do you they say project. Project, you know, Projecting
2: that, yeah, three to six months, possibly nine, it was the projection. But to be told that when you're 44 years old, hmm. you have a family, you know, a husband, young, young children, I have a great job, and I've been this is the job that I've been wanting my whole life. And you know, I started this YouTube channel now, and you know, everything's actually going really great in my life, but um, it's kind of hanging over my head that this will end soon um it's not easy not easy at all
0: but quick quick question is it too late for chemo right now
2: um chemo is not going to do anything but um give me possibly a little bit more time but in my condition the chemo is going to make me go down pretty quick okay so chemo destroys
1: your cells and your body's trying to fight the cancer at the same time so I can exactly. See the, the, so, so it's it looks like a <laughs> handshake, almost.
2: Exactly. And so the reason why, um, just just like I said, just from my observation, I mean, who am I? But um, I used to do biopsies, and you know, we used to work very closely with the breast cancer patients. And it seems like the okay. ones that "quote unquote" survived the chemo, they their cancer was not that advanced to begin with. Um, okay. They they find with mammography, they find cancer that starts out as small as grains of salt they start out as microcalcifications in the breast, mm. literally like grains of salt. And That's wild. That's wild. It, as long as it stays within the ducts, they can cut that out, that person would be fine. But what's happened is they blast them with the red devil. And so what you're seeing are women that have survived chemo. The problem mm. with my cancer is because I went in so late to detect it, it bursted through the ducts, went to the lymph nodes, and it already began the process of spreading.
3: Mm.
2: That was my issue. Most of the cancers that you find, no, oh, cancer survivors, a lot of the time they're they're finding in the early stages. If you notice, we hear about the worst cancer, they say it's pancreatic cancer, right? Once you get a diet, have you heard that before? Once you get that diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, that's one of the ones where you don't have much time. Have you have you have y'all heard that before about I, I, pancreatic? I haven't heard
0: it. I'm I'm literally very green in this in this uh, topic. Okay. Oh, I'm just a student listening. I'm listening
2: gotcha. to you. Well, uh, pancreatic can- cancer is one of those ones. It's not that it's worse than the rest. It's very hard to detect. By the mm. time people detect, because there's no test for pancreatic cancer, um, wow. you find out through symptoms. By the time a person starts to begin getting the symptoms of pancreatic cancer, it's way too late. If, mm. if chemo was the cure, how could you be too late? Because chemo's the cure, right? But it's yeah. gone too far, and the chemo doesn't do anything. And those, pa- those cancers, pancreatic in particular, die easily within months. And so the same with my father; his was gone so so. It was gone so far past the chemo, it didn't do anything but just, like I said, make him very sick. So he was able to fight off his body's trying to fight. Like you like you just said, he's trying to fight off cancer and is trying to survive this chemo, this complete poison attack. A lot of people, they compare it to like, let's say you have termites in your house, um, like taking a, burning your house down because you have termites. And that's mm-hmm. the can- what cancer is to our body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get make this like a, you know, a anti-chemo, not not at all. No, I, no, I, no. Not at all. I think chemo has done some wonderful things. You know, mm-hmm. for some people, I'm sure. Um, it's not uh, anything that I was going to take given
0: the stage that i was in okay so okay so all right I'm, I'm gonna go back i'm gonna bring it back to what you said earlier um i had a question so um you said when you say you found a lump right you, yes. you you noticed a lump you went to yes. get that taken out right yes. yes and i guess it came back but it was small small little it was smaller right and you it got that smaller. taken.
2: Out. And I got that chicken out.
0: Okay. And then you said six months later, you wound up having stage four cancer, right?
2: About six months had already grown. Yes. Yeah. You did very good. Very good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So my question was up uh, within that six months, you wasn't experiencing symptoms or anything like that to notice. You didn't notice nothing.
2: Um, yes. There, the side of my chest where I had the mastectomy, where it came back, it started to get itchy, it mm. itchy. but there's a lot of scar tissue. And I was told that, you know, over time, um, Sometimes you might experience some itchiness because the scar tissue is growing, and so a lot you like if you've ever had like a cute I my skin keloids, so if you ever had those, it kind of be it can get itchy, and so I'd ask my I would ask my patients that had mastectomies I would say hey do you ever get any itchiness on that side? And they would say yeah sometimes, so I thought it was normal, and then this is starting to get tighter and tighter, the skin on that side, and so that's when I went in and. That quick is when they told me, oh, it had spread to other parts of my body. And when I tell you, bam, it just started moving. Like, within, like, like literally each week, you know, I'm seeing a change yeah. in my condition. It's, it's burst through my skin now. So I have, like, an open wound there. Um, I'm now on what's called palliative care, where they try to just make me comfortable. But now they're talking about moving me to hospice now. Like it's very fast moving. And hospice yeah. is the step right before um, it's basically the step before death. They're just trying to right. make you comfortable as possible. But okay. yeah, if you see me, I look fine. It's just because I'm not on chemo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I seen you. I I sort of seen you on your YouTube channel when you told me what, which videos yes. that you're actually in. Yeah, you look you look perfectly normal. You look fine, actually.
2: Right, um, and so a lot of people don't they, they weird to them. I'm like, you have to understand, those are chemo patients that you see that look sick like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I know the difference. Um, yeah. but that, it sounds like you was like misled. You thought that it was just the surgery of, of them taking it out. That's why you thought that was the itching was happening.
2: Um, yeah, I thought it was just the scar tissue because I've at this point I've had three surgeries on that side, so I just thought it was you know the the scar tissue irritating me or something like that at first but then it just wouldn't stop and then it started to become painful and then that's when I was like let me go in and get another PET scan to see what's happening here and sure enough it has spread like I said literally like a couple weeks after that then I started feeling problems on the other side and sure enough a whole different cancer showed up on that side and so um yeah it's it's just been really
1: Uh, We apologize, people. We had some technical difficulties, uh, but we're back, and uh, we're going to keep this going. So, uh, Nyla, if you can talk about how you're feeling right now and all the emotions that are currently going through
2: you. Oh, boy. I I would tell you it's like the uh, emotional roller coaster of your life. Um, You go through these different stages, and I don't know if you guys learned about it. It's called DABDA, the stages of death. Have you heard of that? I have not. Okay, well, it's called DABDA. I learned about it in like psychology like many years ago, but for whatever reason, it's stuck in my head. And so it's like I can use it now. And so it's the five stages of, of, basically, it's the five stages of loss. And so the first D uh, stands for denial.
1: Oh, so it's uh, like grief. It's like the grief.
2: The stage exactly. of grief, exactly. Sorry. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so stage of grief. So the first one is denial. Uh, DABDA, so the next one is A, anger. Uh, B, you go through bargaining. Uh, the next D is depression, and then you finally get to acceptance. Now you can go in and out and through all these different emotions. You can experience two, three, or four of them at the same time. And so, um, what I'm learning to do now, I, I've reached acceptance, but I go back and forth to some of the other um, some of the other areas. But I try very hard to try to focus and stay balanced because I still have to carry on. I still have to work and, and keep moving and doing things. And so it's very easy to fall back into depression and alcoholism if I'm not careful. So um, what I found like helps me, like, working actually helps me because it gets my mind off of my condition. Uh, okay. Not to say that I don't realize it. I try not to focus on it. Um, very difficult to do that when you're experiencing a lot of pain. Um, the biggest emotion that tends to pop up that I have to kind of battle daily is, is fear. Um, there, there, I had a definite breakdown just today. Um, you just get full of fear because, you know, like it's like you're still in shock like oh my gosh I'm going to die and it's just it, it, it's almost like you get hit with it the same you did the very first day you're told and so mm. what I've chosen what I figured out it's taken a couple of years to do this battle is that I cannot stay in fear for very long because if you stay in there too long it tends it becomes like a stronghold over you And then once you're stuck in fear, then anxiety and 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 at that point you can't function. So when I start to feel fear, I recognize it right away. And I go to that scripture that says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And so when I'm I'm feeling, excuse me, feeling fear, I have to tell myself, this is not of God. Stop it. Stop being afraid. Um, Biggest help to me, is I have a few very wonderful, wonderful people in my life, and several that I can pick up the phone, and I can talk to them. Mm. And I don't talk to them about how afraid I am. Usually I talk about normal, regular life stuff. And as I'm talking, it takes my mind off of the fear. And then after I get kind of okay, then I start to talk to God. And I don't I don't like the word prayer because prayer makes it sound like it's supposed to be so formal. I didn't realize I was talking to God for years, but it just wasn't formal, so I didn't think it was good enough. But I found that I can just talk to him kind of like I'm talking to you right now. And I start talking to him about my fear and how afraid I am, and and I seem to get told the same thing every time.
1: Now, how often does this, uh occurrences happen? Is it daily, yeah, weekly,
2: once yeah. a week? No, I'm just it, it just you know it might be like once a week. Sometimes a couple weeks might pass. Sometimes I I feel it like you know back to back to back. You know what okay. I mean? But um, every time, God, I guess what I hear, quote unquote, not audible or anything, but the message that's told to me to control my fear is the same every single time. And so I have to uh, remember that. And the message is um, it's another scripture. It's like he brings these scriptures to your remembrance and he said, um, Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is light. Um, and so I remember that. So the weight of cancer and dying, what's going to happen to my kids, all those things. I let it go and I put it on him and I live my life like as if I don't have cancer. Wake up. I can't, I
1: can't even imagine, I can't even imagine any of this.
2: Um, it, it, I mean, but it, for me, it's become part of life now. So I go to work and um, I still cook and, yes. you know, I run my channel and I, I don't stay down for too long because I know I've been down before and it's dark and it's ugly, and it's not a fun place to visit.
1: If anything, to our listeners, and this will be on your uh, YouTube channel, what can you, uh, what advice, or what do you want people to pay attention to, or if you could just give something that change somebody's perspective on life, what would you do, or what would you tell them?
2: That's a Big broad open question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so,
2: what would I tell people about life, or what would I tell? Like, what impact life? would you want? a little bit, yeah.
1: yeah. What impact would you want on somebody's like to take from what you're
2: going through? You know, well, I would just say this. I guess, I guess the best way to put it um, before there's a couple a couple things I'm going to talk about: gratitude, forgiveness. And serving. Uh, before I got this cancer, I don't. I can't say I wasn't thankful at all, but it comes to a whole new level of gratitude. Um, every, literally every morning that I wake up, and I get an. You know, people always say that, but I really mean it. Like when I wake up, it means I've got another chance. I've got another day. So if I screwed up yesterday, I got another day. Uh, I'm thankful for everything because here's the thing. It's weird because people feel sorry for me when I tell them, you know, that I have breast cancer, I'm dying. But it's like why feel sorry for me. I'm going supposedly, if you believe scripture, I'm going to a better place. This place that we're living is really bad and I don't think we realize it. Because we live in it, but this world that we live in is so dark and it's so evil. And so I don't have to, I won't be here for that. You know what I mean? Um, there's so many ways that people's lives end. I have breast cancer, not so bad. You know, I, I look for gratitude. Like I have health insurance, so I'm able to have palliative care. And so they give me pain medicine to help me with my pain. There's counselors. Um, I've got wound care and now I'm about to go on hospice soon. So there's people that are helping me walk, step down. What about if I didn't have any insurance? Right? Like, yeah, so
1: you're looking at the brighter things and the things that are around you.
2: How could I not? I, like literally I have, I live in a home, like it's cold. It's getting cold this weekend. In my house, we have heat. I don't have to worry about that, but there's people living out in the street in Atlanta and they've got to figure out what they're going to do. I don't. I've got food to eat. Um, now I've got a family. You know, a lot of women nowadays, they don't have that. Yeah. So there's so many things that I have to be thankful for. I can't count. Uh, even my job, some say I would stop working. Why? That's another thing. Serve, 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 serve. Like I make it a point with my job. I deal with lots of different patients, right? Yes. And they're women coming in to get their mammogram, where their breast is pressed really hard, and they do not like it. And so when they come in, they have a nasty attitude. Um, But I make it. It's almost like a game. I make it to where. I make sure that they leave with a smile on their face, and that I made their day.
1: Now, have you? Could, um, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Now, have you done anything since you have a, supposedly a certain time? And I'm gonna say supposedly because I feel like right, I not, a, the doctor.
2: Right, I just know it all. Said. Exactly. I just that's what okay. he told me. But it could be longer. It could be shorter. Yeah. Who knows? Well,
1: we're gonna but, say longer. But yes. do you have you been have you been uh? Fine tuning anything in your life or doing more, the things that you wanted to accomplish or experience or anything like that, of the nature?
2: So to speak, like my channel for me is really huge. Um, All my life, well, not all my life, but since I've had my kids, I've always taught Sabbath school. I've always had like a teaching spirit. And so my channel means the world to me because I believe that it's very hard to find truth nowadays because we're being lied to so much there's so oh, much definitely. confusion, deception all around us. It's almost hard to find truth. And so I do believe that my channel is kind of a beacon of truth. And so um that's very important to me. Um my relationship with my sons, like I I enjoyed them before, but now I literally cherish every moment. You know what I'm saying like things that bothered me before like oh I don't feel like making a snack or whatever like I make their grilled cheese sandwich I kind of you know just make it like the best grilled cheese sandwich that's yep, yes. that thing
3: yeah
2: <laughs> oh, thank you yes so I literally do everything like that I do everything just extra because when I look back in my life you know okay well here's one thing so you've heard people when they die and they look back on their life and they say they never say they would have worked, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have wanted to work more. Oddly enough, I look, I look back on my life. I just wish that whatever I did, I did with excellence. I love the idea of that. There are so many things in my life that I didn't take full. I didn't like fully participate in, if you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Like when I went to college, a lot of the times I didn't really study, I just did whatever just to pass. I wish I would have dove in, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and took full advantage of the opportunity to go to school and learn instead of just, you know, doing just enough to get by. You know, I teach my, son, my sons this lesson I got it from my grandmother. She always said this, she said, no matter what job you do, you do it to the best of your ability. That's right. Uh, They say, she said, make yourself the best employee there. And a lot of people, I don't work for anybody. I don't like working for somebody. I say I work for God. And so I teach my sons that if you're given the task of cleaning the toilet, you make that toilet shine and you take pride in that. Because if you can't handle the little things in life, you're not going to be able to handle greatness. You know what I mean? So be humble in greatness. Be humble when you're not there yet. And man, once I got that lesson, man, life is just beautiful to me because I take everything like that. I put my best foot, I try to, you know what I mean? I yes. take a lot of pride, not just in my work, but my home, the meals I cook. And I wish I'd have learned that sooner because that's what's bringing me joy right now. Taking pride in everything you do. And everything pride, you do. Just, just, yeah, I'm working, but man, I make, I have 20 patients a day. So I have an opportunity to make twenty people's day in a week. Times how many days I work in a week? Look how many lives I can touch. Sometimes by just a smile. That's right. I wish I would have embraced this earlier, because it makes like so sweet.
1: That's true. We live in a world right now is like happy picture of sad people. So that's, right. that's so good that you're doing the. the
2: that's what's crazy. That. you have. All these people presenting these fake lives. But what do you really do when no one's watching? You know what I mean?
1: Definitely. Definitely. Rock, whole, are you, yeah, Rock, are you back? No, you're good. Rock are you back
2: now?
0: I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Welcome okay. back, my brother.
2: back, brother. Welcome We're here we're here chopping it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hear you guys. I, I actually just got in, but I just still think it's it's crazy that Once you got, like, that last bit of cancer out of you and uh, you thought you were going through, like, the healing process with the itching and stuff like that, but the whole time it was cancer coming back. That's really scary. That's really scary. And I think people should, should, you know, realize, you know, just because if you get something, if you get the cancer taken out or whatever, like, just because you think you're healing, you probably should still get checked. Still get checked.
3: Well, because absolutely, if, I think,
0: sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, because in your position, we see what happens. Six months later, you come up with stage four cancer, and it's just very unfortunate. Right.
2: Um. In that point, there was nothing really I could have done because it came up on a side where I had no breast anymore. So there wasn't a whole lot, you know I mean, that could have been done or to find out in my particular case. But I think the big thing to remember is that even though they removed the actual lump of cancer we still i still had what's called like the cells of cancer had still they're still traveling in my lymph nodes you know what i mean
3: so
1: they're still never
2: floating throughout my cancer, body then? what's that? that
1: you can never fully remove cancer
2: now, mind you, I'm not a scientist. I don't know, but what, but only what, from things what, you can what, you can see that there was still cancer, there's still cancer cells. But we have to understand everybody, all of us, even you guys have free radicals that um go uh, that float throughout your bloodstream. You've, we've all heard of antioxidants, right?
3: Yeah. Those
2: are the things that help to fight the free radicals. The free radicals are what turn these like these, like pretty much. The crazy, crazy cells that turn crazy and that can turn to cancer—we all have those floating throughout our bodies. That's why it's important to have a diet that's full of antioxidants, and you get that through organic, you know, fruits and vegetables. You know what I mean? Uh, if you do eat meat, it's best not to, but clean meat. You know, all the stuff that makes up a healthy diet. That's why it's important to have that to fight the free radicals, and also stress. Stress plays a major factor. And developing cancer because what's happening is when you're like stressed out, you um, basically what you're doing is you're kind of depleting your immune system. Oh, because yeah. you're so stressed, you're, 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 you're so mentally drained, physically drained, all these different things. Your body has a hard time fighting off those free radicals. And at the time um, that I was diagnosed, I was under just tremendous stress. You know what I mean? Uh, stress is the underlying cause of so many different diseases. We don't even realize. We don't understand how our mental, our mental health is directly related to our physical health. And oh, I'll yes, be honest definitely. and say that my mental health at that time was not good.
1: Well, I will say, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still in awe, and I'm thankful that you actually came and spoke upon something like this. And I know That's we've been uh, going back and forth for, for, for I think like 2 months now trying to line something <laughs> up. Yes. So it's it's been a uh, it's it's been uh, a long time but it's it needed to happen.
2: I'm so glad it did. This was it was it's kind of it's great it's great to talk about it and to get it out. There was Definitely. one other thing I did want to discuss but I don't know if we're ending now. Oh, go ahead. Um I will try to make it quick. Um there was something that I had to do um, uh, just recently, um, I told you before that one of the things that helps me with in my cancer is to be around people that are loving and supportive. So yes. there was something that I did that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to anyone, but I had to cut contact with uh, three family members, and cutting contact with those three that meant that I'm cutting contact with the ones that are connected with them. That was one of the hardest things I've ha- ever had to do outside of trying to live with this cancer. But I would say this, the people that I had to cut contact with were just as toxic in my life as that cancer was. Oh, wow. And I held on to those people because I felt, I always believed that you have to stick with family and I'll believe that till the end. And when I tell you it was a life or death situation to cut contact, it absolutely was. Because those relationships, unfortunately, unfortunately, were causing me a whole lot of pain. And when you're trying to fight, you know, a disease like this, unfortunately, sometimes you have to let some people go. Uh, No matter how painful that is, you have to make a decision. So that was another aspect of this that I had to deal with. Mm. Yeah. Very tough decisions in life. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I see. And you're very strong. I, I I can hear your voice, how strong you are. And, um, kind. and how happy you are and at peace. You can definitely hear it.
2: Well, you're very kind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very welcome. Rocco, is there Thank anything uh, you'd like to say or any questions you have?
0: No, no, She's she's an inspirational spirit, man. Um everything you say is positive. We just you know, we like to keep the positivity up and uh
2: Absolutely. You know,
0: yeah, you know, you know, we pray every day. You know, I'm definitely praying for you, you know.
2: Oh, thank you so much. That's that's what's awesome. I have have so many different people that are praying for me. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I have this, but I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful. The only thing is I never say that I'm happy, though. I always say that I have joy because I do see it. I do take a little bit of a difference, but I am filled with joy.
1: Real quick, what is the difference to you?
2: Oh, (laughs) um, for me, you know what I mean? Um, Happiness reminds me of a certain situation, Uh, like you can go to Disneyland and be happy. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay, you're what the you're saying. Yep.
2: You're happy, yep. but joy you can have that despite what situation or circumstance that you're in. It's something that's a little bit deeper than uh just happiness, yeah. It's
3: very true,
1: yeah. yeah. Happiness is a time frame at that being,
2: it's yeah. a certain thing that's going on, but you can have joy even at your worst moments in life. That's right. Okay, well, mm-hmm.
1: I thank you, I thank you, uh, so much for coming and speaking
2: upon this. Oh, this really 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 touches to somebody. Well, thank, um, thank you for having me on. It, it honestly is my honor that you would even take time to to listen to me. So thank you so much.
1: Of course. Of course. I try to tell people enlighten me is a broad aspect of different genres of, of subjects and not just yeah. dating or anything like, it's like this, grief, abuse. And now we have uh, the most
0: prominent one we had. Exactly. Share that share that Very impactful story that can reach out to a lot of people around the world. So thank you. Somebody needed to hear this.
1: So thank you.
2: Awesome. (laughs) Thank you guys.
1: All right. Thank you for joining Light Me, y'all. And we're signing off. Y'all take care now.